I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark. Mark is where we are going to be today again in the same passage we were in last week. We're going to look a little bit deeper into it at a different element of this passage as we get back to the basics this year. And we're getting back to the basics of what it means to live out the Christian life, the example that Jesus has given us. And as Jesus lived that example, he also instructed us on how to live. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. Amen. Last week we discussed getting back to the basics in our Christian life, and one of those basics that we talked about was that we need to seek the lost. And just because the calendar has switched over, just because there's new expectations for a new year, does not mean that every church in Pike County is going to be filled because everyone now knows they need to get back to church. Amen? We wish that were the case. That's not the case. We have a light that will dispel the darkness, amen? Oh, come on now, folks. We have a light that will dispel the darkness, amen? The Bible says where there is darkness, when light enters that darkness, the darkness ceases to exist. That means it's dead. Boy, that's good news. That means in the dark world as we walk, it's light in here. That's why you guys are quiet. The light is in here. There's no darkness. Amen? But as we go out into the dark world, your light should push it aside. Amen? And that's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm thankful for that. So let me get back on track here. Our basic that we learned about was we must go and seek the lost. And to seek the lost, we must live a life in relationship with others. And we discussed that first step last week. As we seek out the lost, getting back to the basics of part one of seeking the lost, where they are at. Today I want us to get into that second step of getting back to the basics. And that basic that we're going to talk about today is showing God's love. Showing God's love. You see, I really believe that the Bible, the Bible is our handbook for the basics. The Bible is our handbook for the basics. And so I want to tell you a story about uh, this love that God has given us because it's a love that He shows us, but sometimes it's hard for us to, to experience that and understand it in, in the Christian life, especially if we're early on in that journey. I want to share a story with you from my own personal life about somebody that's very near and dear to my heart. It's somebody, uh, some of you have met him as he has been around from occasion. Uh, his name is Justin. Justin is, is my good friend. We've been friends now for 24 years. I'm not old enough to have a friend that long, Cleve. Um, I, that's crazy to me. I can't even, it's hard for me to admit that we've been friends that long. Uh, but Justin is one of those guys that, Justin's a little, a little hard around the edges sometimes. He's, a, he's very uh, opinionated. Uh, he's very uh, domineering in many ways, but I think that's a good thing, and I want to tell you why, because when we moved to, from, from Pueblo, Colorado to Lincoln, Nebraska, it was the middle of my freshman year, a very hard time to move in the life of, of a pastor's kid, if I do say so myself, and uh, we moved on Thanksgiving week of 1997, and during that week, we were in our, our first Sunday in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, God was, it was a God-ordained service. It was a great day. We went home that day, and we were tired and exhausted. And it was about 4 o'clock that evening, that afternoon, 
And all of a sudden, the back door started making noise. And we're like, oh, my word. Because we had a fenced-in backyard that if you're knocking on the back door, you had to come through the fence, and that was kind of a private area. And yet, our back door is just making all this racket. And so we go to the door, and there stands Justin. And Justin is there at four, four in the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon, and he asked if I would go play basketball with him. So we went and played basketball at the end of November in Nebraska, where there is ice and snow and cold, and uh, I thought, we didn't have a gym, so we're outside playing basketball, and I thought, this, this guy's crazy, this guy's crazy, but he started asking me questions, he started getting to know me, he started kind of spending some time with me, well then the next day on Monday, we went to register for school, and as we went to register to school, it was a brand new school, and and uh, again, like I said, I was in the middle of, of the school year, and my dad is trying to coach me and, and really encourage me as we're walking into this new school, and uh, I, was, I was a little nervous, I'll say that. Well, we walk into the front doors of the school, and the first person we see was Justin. Now, Justin didn't know that we were coming at that time. Justin didn't sit by that front door and wait for us. But I believe that God ordained his path to walk by those front doors at just that time. And as Justin walked by, he saw us and greeted us with a smile and a friendly greeting. And he made sure we got to the office and where we were going and made sure that we knew we were in a good place. You see, as time went on, Justin and I began to spend more time together and, and we began to invest in one another's life. And Justin grew older. He was a senior when we moved there, and I was a freshman. And so as he graduated and got older, he met this young woman, and he began to uh, want to show her he was serious. And so she went off to college at Mid-America Nazarene University. And so Justin, being the good Christian man that he was, followed her and uh, got a job in Olathe, Kansas, and began staying closer to Becky, and they began their life together. But as Justin moved to Kansas, he called me every single day. And finally, I said, Justin, go spend time with Becky. That's why you moved here. Quit calling me so much. You know, but that's just the kind of friend Justin was. And, and we stayed in contact. And then as I got older, Justin and Becky got married. And, and I was the best man in their wedding. And, and we just began to invest in one another's life. As Justin and Becky were married, they went through some ups and downs. And as Justin and Becky were trying to start their family, they, they had a miscarriage. And I was the first call for Justin. As life went on, we go about our different things. We, I got married and Justin was there for my wedding and we began a family and our kids began to have health issues. Guess who was there? Justin. Later on in life, you keep fast forwarding, life continues to happen and, and Becky is diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 32 and I was the first call. And as you go through life, my sister passed away at the age of 30. Who do I call? Justin. And I'll tell you something, in those calls, you've been investing in life, you've been showing love back and forth. 
When I called Justin that day, did you realize there was not one word that was said? On a 10-minute phone call, we just sat there. And he let me cry. You see, you invest in people's lives. You, you show them love. And so as life continues and, and we go through life together and we, we go the back and forth, there's give and there's take, isn't there? There's friendships that will continue to show love. Justin and I continue to talk and communicate every single day to this day. Our wives joke that if they haven't been informed about something, they just need to ask the other friend because most likely they know about it before our wives do. And we, uh, we joke about that off and on. But you see, you can probably think of somebody in your life who's invested in you, who's shown you love, who's brought you under their wings, who's cared for you in so many ways, and they've just made sure that through life you're doing okay. Some people have had somebody invest in them in not such a good way. And we experience the opposite of this. And we hear a message like this and we think, oh, I know where this guy's going. I don't want to hear this because we've been hurt. We're broken. We're bloody. We're bruised. And we've had the opposite take place where somebody just keeps investing in us in negative ways and they don't show us love and they continue to hurt us and they continue to keep us in this place of uncertainty. Either way, we've known somebody today in our lives who's invested in us. Invested in us. Investments, that's, that's, a, that's a topic that you don't really hear a lot in church maybe. And I probably should ask uh, Don and Sheila to come up and share about investments and they could give us a whole spiel on that. Amen? That's not the type of investment I'm talking about today. But just as their investments and, and, and the investment I want to talk to us today about, investments are a hard thing to talk about. You see, we've had many situations in our, in our lives, in our country, and different things that go on where investments in, in, the, in the stock market or in different things, they tend to go up and down, don't they? And it's, 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 it's fluid. You see, I believe that it's important for us to realize that investments involve time, energy, effort, patience, and faith. Investments involve time, energy, effort, patience, and faith. You see, we don't just have to look at our personal experiences to learn and grow in our lives. We can learn from others' experiences as well. We do not just have to look at our own experiences to get back to the basics. We can look at God's Word and we can learn from others. Amen? God's Word gives us a direction with this next basic step as well, and I want us to talk about it today. Let's read this passage this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 28, or chapter 12, verse 28 is where we're going to begin. Mark chapter 12, begin reading with verse number 28. You follow along as I read from God's Word. One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the discussion. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. Everybody said amen. 
And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. One translation says the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all of my heart and with all of my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbors as myself. This is more important than to offer all burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing this man's understanding, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any more questions. You are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, you are getting there. This is a basic tenet. Getting back to the basics we need to understand will change our world. Getting back to the basics will change our world. Last week, we talked about seeking the lost. This week, basic number two, show God's love. Would you pray with me? God, would you help us to understand your word today? Would you help us as we dissect it, as we, as we dive into it, as we, as we eat your word, as we consume your word, Lord, would it be satisfying to our soul? Would you help us to understand what you're trying to say to us? And would you help us, Lord, to be like this man, to become not far from the kingdom of God? We want to walk with you today. We want to hear your voice. And I pray that you would make that happen today, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we're focused on getting back to the basics, we seek the lost. Once we've sought the lost, the broken, the hurting, those that are bloody, and those that are, it's hard to deal with sometimes, and we seek them and we help them and we care for them, we live a good Samaritan life, then we must show them God's love. Amen? We do this by investing in their lives. We do this by investing in their lives. When it comes to showing God's love to others and investing in their lives, we must first make sure things are right in our own world. And I believe that's what Jesus was trying to teach us in this passage. The reason he gives the order the way he does is he wants to make sure we get it from a personal standpoint. You see, this text we're reading from and learning about and we're applying it into our lives talks about two different things we must do to show God's love. We must love God and then love others. So if we have to make sure we're making a personal investment in loving God first, okay? Again, investments take time. They take energy. They take effort. They take patience. They take faith, amen? Let's keep that in mind as we go about this. As we read and we hear what this scribe is saying to Jesus, let me give you a little background on what's going on here. This is not like some of those other times where where Jesus is confronted with somebody with a question where we read that they're trying to trap Jesus. This was not one of those scenarios. As as I read the commentators this week, one of the things that they understood and wanted wanted me, the reader, to understand, and I want to convey to you, is that this was somebody who was a believer. They had some understanding. They They were somebody who, they were a religious leader who was not opposing Jesus's way. And in fact, the commentators say this, inter- this interchange between these two people was actually very comfortable, was actually very courteous, and was actually very, very good in this moment. 
The scribe is a Jew and understands the commandments that have been listed out. And in fact, he's probably done everything he can to keep all 613 of those laws that they're asked to keep. He's done his very best. And Jesus begins by talking to this man and relating to him where he's at. You see, Jesus understood that this man understood the Old Testament. He understood the writings of the, of the prophets long ago. He understood. It was called the Shema. The Shema is what the Old Testament law that they read over and over. And a good Jew would read this and they would hear it over and 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 over. You get what I'm saying? He knew it. He knew it. Shema literally means to hear, to hear. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down. You're doing that right now. Shema, you are hearing, you are listening to the word of God. Shema is here. So this man knew he had heard the word of God and any good Jew would have been in the habit of repeating this command that Jesus gives him twice a day. Jesus quotes from the Shema in Deuteronomy when he says, hear, O Israel. The Lord is God. Wow. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. So what does that really mean? If he's going back to where this man understood that that's the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all that you are. So let's talk about that for a minute today. What does it really mean to have a love of God? To have a love for God. The first thing is all of our heart. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. You see, our heart means he's, it's, an, it's a feeling. It's an emotional connection with extreme sincerity. When we love somebody with all of our heart, there's emotions involved. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you came in here to worship today and you began to sing some of those songs, you probably felt something in your, in your body. You probably felt something. I know for me there's tears that well up or there's, there's a lump in my throat or, or I get those really cool goosebumps or goose pimples or whatever you call them, the hair on the back of your neck. Anybody else like that? Anybody? A couple of you? Good. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. But there's an emotional feeling involved in loving the Lord our God with all of our heart. You see, we in America, we have this word love. And that's what we use, and we use it for many different things. But the Bible had different words that meant different things, but for the same word that we use love for. And, and that's hard for us to get our head around, but this love for God means that there is a heart tug. There is an emotional feeling with loving the Lord our God with all of our heart. There's also all of our mind. He says, love the Lord your God, not just with emotions, but thoughtful love intelligence. Be smart about it. In other words, God gave you a mind. Use it. Amen? And one of the ways we need to use that is thoughtful love back to Him. We must worship Him. We must give it back to Him. We must love the Lord our God with all of our emotion, all of our feeling. It feels good to love God. It feels great to have those moments of mountaintop experience with Him. But we also need to do it with our mind. We, that means we need to love the Lord our God even when we don't feel like it. Amen? Why? Because our mind tells us this is important. 
It's important that I love him with everything that I think about. As Michelle shared this morning, we've talked about it numerous times over the last couple of months. We've got to take captive those thoughts because the enemy knows that if he can get into our thought process, he can change our love process. Boy, that's good. That'll preach. Amen? All of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our strength. All of our strength. It's about intensity and energy. When we love the Lord our God with all that we have, we're going to be passionate about it. We'll be passionate about our prayer life. We're going to be asking God to help us and guide us. We'll be passionate about those things that matter to us. And it's, it's, it's a fine line, I believe, folks, that we're passionate about things that we're passionate about and we think about a lot. But if those things are not godly, we need an adjustment. Think about things that he wants us to think about. Allow him to shape our minds. Allow him to help us to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I'm getting way off track here, Pastor Greg, but this is good stuff, okay? How do we do that? Well, if it's not a God thought, then get rid of it. If it's something that's not eternal, that it's not something that helps us to love him back, get rid of it. Get back to the basics. Part of that means we've got to throw some old stuff away we got to get rid of it. we got to throw it away. Why? Because it takes intensity to love God with all of our strength. I think about that in the gym life. When you're, when you're working out and you're trying to, when you're trying to get in shape or you're trying to lose weight or whatever you're trying to do, you start lifting weights. The trainer says, one more, one more. Push through, go through. Why? And they're intense about it. If you don't like yelling, don't go to a trainer. Okay? They're intense. One more, one more, one more. Why? Because all of our strength that builds strength. Why? Because you're going to face an enemy. And it's going to start in your brain. It's going to start in your thought life. And that enemy is going to try to attack you so that you can't love God with all that you have. It's an intensity. It takes energy to give God our strength. We must be passionate about our prayer life. We must be passionate about reading the Bible because that's where God's will is and that's where he will speak to us. Amen? This word is still active. This word never grows old. This word is still true, capital T. Everybody say amen. amen. This is what I want my life to stand for. Amen? Amen? And we must be passionate to love the Lord our God. If we never got into this and we said we loved God, we're missing something. We need to get into this. We need to see what it's saying to us. We need to pray and ask God to speak to us and help us to understand it. We do it with intensity and energy. We'll be passionate about our prayer life, passionate about reading God's word. We've got to be passionate about our worship. Amen? And I'm not just talking about in here, okay? Worship is more than just Sunday mornings, okay? Worship is about how we live our life. It's a lifestyle. I was, I was asked to do a seminar on discipling new believers this weekend, and, and I shot the video for it this week, and this was my whole theme. We have to realize that worship is a way of life. And if we're going to love God with all that we have, it's, it's worship to Him, Amen? And that worship, when we're doing it with all, of our, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, when we do that in our own lives as individuals, that should then come in here, and we should bust the roof off this place every week, amen? 
Because there'll be so much intensity, so much energy, so much emotion that it's crazy. We can't contain it anymore. Amen? Amen? Whew. When we love God with everything that we have, we need to get back to this basic. Investments take time, take energy, take effort, take faith. You see, it takes an investment to love God. We must invest our time. We must invest our emotions and our feelings. There's going to be times when we don't feel like praying, when we don't feel like getting in the Word. I know I've been there, folks. When we make an investment that involves this time and this energy, we must invest our minds to loving God, invest our energy to love God, and we must get back to the basics to show God's love to others. But to do that, we've got to love God. And that's why Jesus starts with this command, love the Lord your God. There is only one true God and love him with everything that you have. Amen? I'm not going to take a poll today because I don't want to know the answers and I know I'm in this camp as well. But if we took a poll and we were serious about it and we were honest with ourselves and God, could we say that as we look back on this week that we loved God with all of our heart, all of our mind and all of our strength this week? I don't know that I could raise my hand. God, help us to get back to the basics. Jesus says this is the most important commandment. Love God with all that you have. That means it's undivided. It's His. And then Jesus says the second commandment is like the first. Like the first. What does that mean? Like the first. I've read that all of my life. Like the first. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. One, two. No. I don't think that's what it means. Okay. One A, one B. Well, maybe we're getting closer. Like the first. Literally means this. Similar to, in the manner of, or, here, this is good, okay? Will you bring that up, Angie, the next one? Demanding the same affection. Stop me in my tracks this week. Jesus said, the second is like it. The second is similar to, the second demands the same affection. Are we loving our neighbor as ourself? Jesus demands it. It's not a suggestion, folks. You can't just get on, you just can't get on social media and start typing away because there's no consequences to it. Whoo! Love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus demands that we do it the same affection that we love ourselves. God help us. Whoo! Demands it, demands the same affection. That's big. We must love God with all that we have and love others like we love ourselves. Jesus says this because in our humanness, it's easy for us to love ourselves a lot. It's easy to, to love ourselves a lot. It's easy for us to get into the trap of thinking what matters most is me, myself, and I. That's Every one of us has split personalities. Did you realize that? Me, myself, and I. And we love all three of them. Usually too much. 
And Jesus is reminding us, if we want to get back to the basics, when we love God, we're commanded to love with all of our feeling and emotion, with all of our minds, all of our intelligence, and to love with all of our energy and strength and intensity. And when we love others, we're to love like that, similar to demanding the same affection. Wow. Now, let me be careful. We do not need to love others with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's reserved for God. He doesn't say love others the way you love God. He says love others the way you love yourself. Pastor, that's easy. I don't love myself at all. I'm good. No, because God loves you. And this love relationship, you are his prized creation. Somebody needs to hear this today. God loves you so much that he created you for just this moment. Somebody needs to hear this today. You were put on this earth for a purpose. You were put here because God loves you so much. It's so vast. It's so big that if you were the only person in this world, Jesus would have still came to this earth and died for you. How can we not love ourselves? If he loves us that much and we're willing to invest in loving him so much, wow, this is starting to make sense, Pastor. We got to pull this together. The basic is this love the Lord your God with everything that you have. Why? Because when we do that, he pours it out and lavishes it on us so much that it requires, it demands us to love others the way we love ourselves. Whoo! That's good preaching. Jesus made love the most important thing in life because love is the fulfillment of the law. And if we want to get back to the basics, we must show God's love to others. God's love, getting back to the basics, showing God's love to others. It's more important than just putting a smile on our face on Sunday morning. Pastor, that's easy because I can wear a mask. I don't have to smile anymore. <laughs> we can come in here. And pretend like everything's okay. Pretend like we got it together. Pretend like we love God. Pretend like we're doing what we're supposed to. And nobody has to ever know. But that's why Jesus said this is so important. We got to get back to the basics. Why? Because as, as you show God's love to somebody else, that somebody else might be the one that's pretending they got it all together. Hmm. Maybe they're the ones walking in this door with a mask on. I'm not talking a COVID mask. And they need us to get back to this basics. Why? Because love is fulfilling the law. There's only one man who ever fulfilled every law that was ever written. That was Jesus. He fulfilled them all. He did it all. He not only fulfilled it, then he calls us to live it out. Wow. 
Jesus embodies this idea of showing how to do this. See, if we love God, we're going to experience his love within us, and that will be expressed as we love others. Somebody needs you to love them like you love yourself. Somebody. It doesn't have to be a lost person, folks. That's a basic that we go out and we seek the lost. But why is this number two? Because sometimes that person that needs our love is sitting right next to you. Somebody who needs God's love isn't somebody you need to seek out. It's somebody you already know. Somebody that needs your love is somebody that probably needs you to invest in them and you haven't been. Somebody that needs your love is somebody that is struggling to understand that God loves them so much and you're the person who can bring that into reality. Jesus was the only person to connect these Old Testament laws and commands. And no one before had connected and linked that it all comes down to loving God and loving others. They continued to build law after law after law. Why? Because they couldn't put it together. The basic premise, love the Lord your God and love others. That's pretty easy. That's pretty simple. If we could just get it, amen? This commandment calls for a complete response, though. An entirety of a person. When we get back to the basics, we've got to go all in, folks. It's not just one foot in and one foot out. we got to give it our everything. Getting back to the basics involves seeking out the lost, and it involves showing God's love. And to do that, we got to be in our right relationship ourselves. We cannot show God's love if we're not experiencing God's love and His grace in our own life. You see, it takes an investment to love others. It takes an investment to love others. I'm so glad. I'm going to switch over to the black here, David. That Justin Rabel invested in me. Well, Beecher, he didn't read the Bible with you. He didn't invite you to church. He didn't, he didn't do this. No, he, he, he didn't do any of those things, but he did show me God's love. And over the years, I've been able to return that to him. Over the years, people have invested in my life. They've, they've shown me that they care about me, that they love me, that they want God's best for me. And I pray and I hope that I'm able to do the same thing to others. It takes an investment. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes faith to get back to the basics. But if we've got to commit to this investment in our own personal life, we've got to do it for ourselves first. If we're not right in our own life, it's going to be hard to show others how to live right. Today, we're preparing to leave this place to get back to the basics, and I want to make sure that we're prepared to show others God's love. And so, if as you walked in, you passed the, the table with all the communion elements, we're going to respond today in taking the sacrament of communion once again. And I had somebody say to me, they said, Pastor, we're taking communion again? Yeah, we are. Because this is the means, this is the sacrament, this is sacred. And it's a great response 
of God's love for us, for us to receive this and say, God, I'm committing right now afresh and anew to take your grace that you're giving to me to others, to show them your love. But, but the Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear. If we are not in our right place, if God has not checked our hearts and we're not in a right place and we partake of this sacrament, we are actually calling on double judgment onto our life. The Bible says that. It's not just my words. So I'm so thankful that in the Church of the Nazarene, we have an open communion policy. And what that means is that we, you don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. You don't have to sign some contract that says you believe exactly how we do with these sacraments. We don't, we don't ask that. What we do ask of and what we do require is that you know that you have given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And that it's your desire to walk with him every single day. And so today, as we prepare to gather around the Lord's table, I want to take a moment just before we get into that to just have God examine our hearts. For us to get back to the basics of seeking the lost and showing them God's love, we must love God with everything that we have. So I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I believe in a very strong and dangerous prayer that King David prayed, and I want us to pray it today, right now. God, would you seek me? Would you search my heart? Would you know my every thought? God, would you search us today? If there's something in our life that is not right, Lord, we, we turn it over to you today. Your word says that we must repent with our mouth. That means we turn away from, we, we admit that we've done wrong and we turn away from the wrong and we turn back to you. We confess our sins and we repent of them. If there's anybody here today that God has searched you and he's brought something to light, would you please give it to him? Would you lay it at his feet? If you've done that today and you've asked God to come and to cleanse you, then we invite you to participate with us in communion. See, the Lord Jesus ordained this holy sacrament himself. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and the juice, emblems of his broken body and shed blood. This morning, this is his table. This feast is for his disciples, his followers. Let all who have received his gift of salvation by repentance of sins and having put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior receive this gift of grace through communion. We participate in this sacrament this morning as a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. The same night Jesus was with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In our little communion cups, if you open the first layer, you can take out the wafer. This is the bread. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, may it preserve you blameless until everlasting life. Take this bread 
in remembrance that Christ died for you. Eat it and be thankful. You remove the second layer of on your cup, you'll get the juice. The Lord took the cup. He said to his disciples, This cup represents the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Take, drink, and be thankful. Would you stand with me? As we receive the emblems of his body and his shed blood. As you're reminded of his love for you that is so deep, so wide, so intense. Would you be reminded to make that investment yourself today? Father God, help us to get back to the basics as we seek out the lost and we show them the light in a dark world that is you, would you help us to show them your love? And before we do that, Lord, help us to love you with everything that we have, to hunger and thirst for more of you, to seek you above all else, and help us to keep the command to love others as ourselves. We love you. We give you praise. Help us to live this out today as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, amen and amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 630.